out here now that it's a brand new year, but we're talking specifically about how to get your spiritual life reoriented, back on track, back on the right road. Uh, I don't know if you've heard recalculating this week or not. I actually have not heard my GPS say recalculating, but I haven't traveled a whole lot. We traveled a lot over the holidays, so it's kind of my goal not to travel for a while. I had trouble finding the right door for my daughter to go in for volleyball practice, but like there's a limit to what ways can do, right? Like I got you to the building. I don't know where she's supposed to go for volleyball practice, but we're reorienting. Brand new year, uh, brand new start. Um, one of the keys to recalculating spiritually is what I want to talk about today. We kind of introduced this topic last week. It's on the website if you want to go there and listen to the introduction to the series. But t- today I-, I want to talk about just a foundational part of getting our spiritual lives back in the right place, moving in the right direction, new energy, new, exci- new excitement for being who God has created us to be. Before I tell you what that's going to be, though, let me say this one thing. When I hear the word recalculating on my GPS, what I want to hear next from the female Australian-accented voice that's going to talk to me. What I want her to say next is, I am so glad you missed that turn. I've got this really cool shortcut I've been wanting to show you. And since you missed the turn, I'm going to take you on this new way. It's going to blow your mind. It's going to be so cool. She ever said that to any of you? Because she's never said that to me. I mean, I, I, I want there to be like some really adventurous direction after she says recalculating. You know what I hear? Nine times out of ten, maybe 99.9% of the time, after she says recalculating, she says, go to the red light and make a U-turn, you big idiot. But there's not like an adventure to recalculating. There's never like this super secret thing she tells me. Most of the time, when I miss the road, she says, Go to the next intersection and turn around and get back on the road I told you to get on before. Go the way I've been telling you to go for an hour. Go to the red light, make a U-turn, get back on the right road. As we're talking about spiritual recalculating, getting our spiritual life back where it needs to be, I'm just going to tell you, this may be a letdown. I'm not going to give you like some super spiritual secret here over the next couple of weeks. I'm not going to give you something few people know about. Like Nobody knows about this secret here, but this is really going to energize your spiritual life. You know what you're going to hear for the next couple of weeks? And it's too late to leave now. You don't have to come back for the rest of it, but you can't leave now. This is what you're going to hear the rest of the time in this series. Just go to the light and turn around. And just make a U-turn and get back on the road that you know spiritually you need to be on. Get, get back on the road that God's told you again and again. You need to be on. Just go up there, make a U-turn, come back. Now, ho- now hopefully there'll be some new suggestions, maybe, maybe some new inspiration, you know, maybe, maybe some new motivation that I can insert into our discussion. 
But basically, recalculating spiritually is just making a U-turn and getting back to where I know my life needs to be spiritually. And for some of us, this will be the first time we've tried some of these things. It will be. Maybe you're a new believer or you haven't really thought about growing as a believer. And so some of these suggestions may be brand new for some of you. Great. Make a U-turn. Get on that road. For others of us, it's, it's going to be suggestions that were working for you at one time. I mean, you were on this road at one time, and for whatever reason, your spiritual life has kind of plateaued. Your, your, your spiritual life has lost some of its energy and momentum and excitement. And for, for those of you that are in that category, this is going to be a reminder of how to recapture that. You know, these things really were feeding your spiritual life at one time. Could, could we just get back to them? And, and, and one of the most, maybe the most important road that you and I need to be on if, if we want to energize our spiritual life is spending time in God's Word. Right? Spending time reading, hearing, internalizing what God has already said to us, the directions He's already given to us. Here's why that's important. The, the most complete authority we have on who God is and what God wants is His Word. That's the most complete authority on who God is and what He wants for our lives. Now, the Bible says we can learn things about God from creation. Romans tells us this. We can understand God's creative and powerful, and He must be really big, and He, he must act according to order. I mean, we can learn some of those characteristics by looking at creation. We, we can learn some things from, from pastors or from reading a Christian book or talking with Christian friends. But the most exhaustive, the most complete description of what God is like and what He expects from us comes from His Word. I mean, the way we know things about Him. We sang just a little bit ago, uh, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. Where do we learn that concept? We learn it from the Bible, right? Jeffrey didn't make that up when he sang it today. It wasn't like Jeffrey kind of, kind of uh, going off track and making up his own, his own truth. Uh, that stuff came from God's Word. How do we know that? How do we know that we can see Jesus as our friend? You sang that a minute ago. Because Jesus told us to think of Him that way in His Word. I mean, we, we learn promises of God from His Word. Now, here's what's interesting as you look at the Bible. and Think about this before you disagree. Here's what's interesting when you read the Bible. You never ever find a place in the Bible where the characters of the Bible have a quiet time every day. You don't find that in the Bible. You don't find the characters of the Bible talking about their devotional life. Well, in my devotions this morning, okay, that, that's not in any of the books of the Bible. You, you don't read where Peter got up 30 minutes before he needed to and spent that 30 minutes reading the Bible. You don't find that anywhere in the Bible. What, what do you find? Let me, let me explain before some of you start looking for another church. Right? Let me explain. Here's what you do find. You don't find some regimented quiet time. What you find are people who knew the Word of God when you read the Bible. You find character after character, author after author, who knew what was in the Bible. Now, 
Did they have a quiet time and that's how they learned it? Maybe. Uh, Did they learn it in some religious training they went through? Probably, some of it. Did they learn it because they had a youth group that they went to and the youth minister taught them about? Maybe. The Bible doesn't get specific on how they learned the Bible. Now, we know some of that just from history. We, we study kind of what was happening. But the Bible doesn't say, all right, they all had 30 minutes in the morning, and then they prayed at lunch, and then they had a 30-minute Bible study. In the, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible just says these people knew God's Word. They had put it in their mind. They had put it in their hearts. It came out of their mouths. When they wrote things, the Bible came out. This is especially true when you read the New Testament. It's all over the New Testament how well the people in the New Testament knew what was in the Old Testament. Peter's letters, full of the Old Testament Scripture. Paul's letters, his illustrations, his examples, full of the Old Testament Scriptures. Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's praying in Luke chapter 2. We call it the Magnificat. It's just Latin for magnify. She just found out that she's going to be the mother of the Son of God. And she launches into this prayer. And the whole prayer is full of the Bible. It's full of Scripture. Somehow, we're not told how, somehow she knew what was in the Bible. And the writers of the New Testament, they didn't have Google. Right? Peter's not writing his letter and thinks, you know, there was this verse. It kind of sounded like this. I'm going to search Google. Oh, yeah, that's, how, that's what the verse. They didn't have Google. They didn't have Bible Gateway. They didn't have version. How was he able to write so much about what was already in God's? Because he knew it. He knew what was in God's Word. He knew what God had said. You find people who knew the Bible. Second thing you find. You find people who believed the Word of God. I mean, they didn't just know facts. They didn't just know information. They believed that what was contained in the Bible was the actual words of God. That God had spoken these words. God had brought these words to us, and they were the actual words of God. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 3.16, All Scripture is God-breathed. In other words, this comes from God. God inspired, breathed into people. He used human authors with their personalities and perspectives. But God is the one who put these ideas, these words, into their minds that came out on paper and eventually is what we hold in our hands. This came from God. No wonder they put it in their life. They didn't look at the, at, the, at the Bible. They didn't look at the Word of God and think, well, those are some really nice stories. Those are great morals to live by. I think those are very helpful. They looked at the Bible and they said, these are the very words of God. I'm going to believe these. And here's what I know. As we're recalculating our spiritual lives, we are never going to get God's Word into our life If we approach it by thinking, well, some of this is true and some of this is kind of not true. And some of this is from God and some of this isn't really from God. This is kind of made up, this part, and that's not made up. And Unless we come to the Word of God believing it's the Word of God. Now, the Bible uses language the same way we use it. It uses exaggeration and and symbolism. And not everything in the Bible is literally true because the Bible is not claiming everything is literally true. I mean, we use our brain when we come to the Bible. But we come to the Bible believing that these are the words of God. This is what He wanted us to know. And it would be helpful to me if I put them into my life. 
Another thing. We find people who believed the word of God would change them. All right? They didn't believe the word of God like you memorize dates and names for a history test in 11th grade. It wasn't that sort of, yeah, I believe that happened. I'm going to memorize this for the test and then I'm going to forget about it. When they came to God's word, they believed they were reading words, internalizing words that would impact their life. It, it would change their their outlook, their attitude, their, their, their emotions even. It would, it would change their behavior. They believed that if they got the true words of God into their life, it would change them. A couple of examples. I read a little bit of this verse a minute ago, 2 Timothy 3. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful. In other words, it does something. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What they were reading, they believed, changed who they were. It, it conformed to them. It transformed them more into the person that God wanted them to be. They believed this wasn't just an exercise in literature reading. This was God shaping me through His words. You see... The Bible is necessary in our lives, not just because it's true, but because it makes us true. It aligns us with what is eternally true. It has that impact on me and you when we read it. Another example, this is from the book of Hebrews. For the word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. When they read the Bible, they didn't just see words on a page. They saw power that came off of a page and it was able to reveal things about themselves to themselves. It was able to reveal what their attitude was, what their motives really were. It was able to kind of cut to the very core of who they were. It had that sort of power then. And Hebrews says it's active and alive, which means it can still do that today. It wasn't just profitable 2,000 years ago. It wasn't just profitable 4,000 years ago when the prophets were writing all this stuff down. The writer of Hebrews says, no, it stays alive. It's continually alive. It's continually doing work in anyone who will read it and put it into their lives. That's the kind of active, living, energetic effect that the Bible, the Word of God, has on us if we'll just come to it and read it. The other thing we find is we find people who valued the Word of God. Again, they didn't just view it as I'm studying for a test. They didn't just view it as, well, I'm going to read it one time and check that off. They believed the Word of God and being in the Word of God was the most valuable way they could possibly spend their time. Not just thinking it was true. I mean, we think a lot of things are true, right? We think traffic laws are true. We don't always obey them, but we think they're true for everybody else. They should obey them so I can get away with not obeying them, right? We believe traffic laws are true. I'm guessing you haven't spent a lot of time reading the traffic laws since you were 16 and getting ready to take your license test, right? 
We don't read some true things that way. They believed the Bible was not only true. They believed it was incredibly valuable to their lives. And so they wanted to keep reading and pouring over it. Let me give you some examples. This is from the book of Psalms. The precepts of the Lord are right. And he's going to use a lot of different words for the word of God. Precepts, commands, principles, laws. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. We just sang that. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the, from the honeycomb. You get the idea? He valued the Word of God. It's better than gold. It, it, it's radiant in my life. It, it helps me see things more clearly. It changes me. It's sweeter than honey. Honey, honey was a luxury. Like This was like the greatest, sweetest thing. They, they could not go out to cheesecake and, and order the cheesecake for dessert, right? They didn't have that opportunity. They didn't have Sublime. They didn't have Krispy Kreme. When they said honey, they meant the sweetest most luxurious, most wonderful thing that I could possibly put in my body is this right here. And that's what the Word of God is like. I mean, if we were translating this for for January 2016, we we might say the the Word of God is as sweet as Krispy Kreme, right? As Krispy Kreme when the hot sign is on. That's how good it is. like melt in my mouth. Like I want more of it. One is not enough. Like 15 is about what I need. When it's really hot, I just need to keep putting it in and putting it. That's what he's saying. Like the word of God, like I just, it's so good for me, to me. I just want it in me. It's like Krispy Kreme donuts. Another one. Your laws endure to this day, for all things serve you. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have preserved my life. This author is saying, you know what? The Word of God is what got me through, got me through stuff in my life. There were times I was walking through difficult things, and I came to God's Word, and it was alive, and it came off the page, and I held on to some promises that were in there, and I would not have gotten through that time in my life had it not been for the words of God that are true and that changed me and that helped me. I needed the Word of God, he says. And it's a lot. It's still the same for us. I mean, some of you could come up here and say, yeah, there was a time in my life I was struggling and God gave me this verse. I looked at this verse. I read it. It was a promise from God. It was an affirmation of his faithfulness. And I held on to that verse and it got me through that time. That's what he's saying. That's how much he values the word of God because it brought him through difficult times in his life. Another one. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate it. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. It does something to my mind. It helps me see things, helps me discern things, helps me piece things together when God's word is in my mind. Another one. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. It's Krispy Kreme again, right? Like Krispy Kreme's all over the book of Psalms. That's what your word is like. Icing, conveyor belt, dunk that bad boy under the icing, nice and hot. That right, I just, I want to get more of that in me. 
This is how the people in the Bible viewed the words of God. I just want them in me. I want them. I want more of them in me. They, they didn't just believe stuff about it. They treasured the word of God. So if we're going to do that, if we're going to try to get on that road, let me give you just a couple of practical suggestions for where to start January 2016. Here's the first suggestion that I have. Find a system that works for you. Find a system that works for you. As I've already said, there is no method outline in the Bible that says you have to read the Bible this way. There's some principles. There's some, there's some things that you can use. But there's no like, this is how everybody has to do it. Which leads me to believe that God knew we were all going to be different. We were going to learn differently. We were going to, we were going to have different personalities. And so getting God's Word into our life is going to be shaped a little bit by our own personalities, our own schedules. We're going to go through seasons of our life where we can spend a lot of time in God's Word and seasons in our life where we don't have quite as much discretionary time. That's going to be in flux. Find a system that works for you. Just get it in your life. If you're a morning person, then the mornings are a great time to spend time reading God's Word. If you're not a morning person and nobody wants to be around you in the morning, God probably doesn't want to be around you either, all right? I'm just, I'm kidding. So for most of you, I'm kidding. But yeah, if that's just not, if morning, if you can't get the brain going, like if you can't focus, that's probably not a good time for you to try to get the valuable, priceless words of God into your life when you're already grumpy, right? It's probably you need another time. Listen, there is nothing wrong with coming to God's Word in the morning, but there's nothing sacred about that either. Nothing sacred about that time. It's, it's one time of many times during the day that you can put God's Word into your life. Just like there's nothing wrong with spending an hour reading God's Word, but there's nothing sacred about 60 minutes. There's nothing sacred about 30 minutes or 15 minutes or 5 minutes or 5 chapters or 1 chapter or 2 verses. There's nothing wrong with any of that. There's also nothing sacred about that particular way. Now, you and I can learn from each other. I encourage you. Find somebody who's very consistent in, their, in, their, in reading God's Word and say, hey, how do you do it? Let me try that. It may work for you or you may have to talk to somebody else. We can learn from each other. We can help each other. But there's nothing sacred about any one way to do it. Some of you are not readers. You're just not a big reader. It's just not your thing. Get the Bible on audio. Get a devotional on audio. Listen to it as you're driving to work. Listen to it while you're getting ready in the morning. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing sacred about any particular way to do it. Just get God's Word into your life. Next, next suggestion. Choose content based on where you are spiritually and what you need. We're all at different places spiritually. That's why we call this church journey, right? Because we're all at different places. We just want to keep taking another step in the direction of Jesus. And so wherever you're stepping right now, wherever you are on the road, wherever you are on the journey, consider that when figuring out what you're going to do for your devotion time, your, your, your time in God's Word. Um, if you have not 
consistently read the Bible. Or if you've never really read the Bible on your own, it's, it's been something you've listened to at church, but you've never done it on your own, don't start in Leviticus, right? Don't start in Revelation either. Okay? You probably don't want to start in Ezekiel or Jeremiah. There's some, some tough sledding in, in the Daniel. Don't start there either, all right? Start in the Psalms, start in the Proverbs, start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, what we call the Gospels. They're about the life of Jesus. Start there, begin to get a handle on what's happening, and then begin to branch out. Some of us like to use devotional writings, right? There'll be a passage of Scripture, and then a Christian author has explained it or given some illustrations. I think those are fine. I use devotional sometimes. I, I try to mix up what I'm reading. I, I don't read this exact same way. Uh, sometimes I read books of the Bible or sections of the Bible or one half, the other half. Sometimes I, I do use a devotional. There are some very good devotionals. Here's what I would say about devotionals. Make sure that the devotional is pointing you to God's Word. And God's Word isn't kind of like a secondary thing He throws over here just so He can tell all His stories. Right? Make sure that the priority is moving you toward God's Word, not toward the, the thoughts and opinions and experiences of the author who's writing the devotion. Just make sure it's moving you to, to God's Word. There's some wonderful devotions, and I'll just throw out there, there are a lot of horrible devotions out there. And, and if you're not sure if the one you're using falls in that category, I'd be glad to talk to you about my opinion on some of them uh, later on. All right, next suggestion. Be okay, be okay with not understanding everything. Be okay. Just realize that I'm not going to get everything. Most of the Bible's written in a way that, that just a reading of it is self-explanatory. It says what it means, it's understandable, but, but come on, it is the Word of God. and You're going to rub up against some places in the Bible and it's going to be difficult. Just be okay with that. Peter's writing in one of his letters, and, and Peter says, that stuff Paul's writing, well, some of that's hard to understand. And I'm thinking if Peter had trouble understanding Paul, I'm going to have trouble sometimes understanding Paul. And you are too, and that's okay. It's okay that if I don't get it all the first time through. C.S. Lewis has wonderful advice on this. Lewis says, if you come to a passage in the Bible and you've, you've tried to understand it and you've reread it and you've worked on it and you just can't get it, just leave it. Right? Just keep going. Maybe you're not supposed to understand it right now. Maybe later on you're going to grow in your faith, you're going to learn some more things about God, and you're going to come back and, and it's going to be understandable. Don't get bogged down when you don't understand something. Last suggestion. Recognize how community can help you be consistent in this area. Recognize that community can help you be consistent. What do I mean by community? Find a couple of other friends and, and, and read the same thing. I don't mean you get together and read it. I just mean you decide, all right, we're going to read one chapter from Luke every day. And, and I'm going to tweet at you about it, and you're going to tweet at me about it. And, and, and then... We'll, we'll put all those together, all right? So a community 
will help you be more consistent. A lot of devotionals today are written that way. Some of you do stuff online devotionally, and you're like connected to a million other people. And some of your, same, some of your friends are in that group as well. The I Am Second uh, devotional, uh, yearly devotional, it has a social media component. So you're reading along with a lot of other people. You may know them, you may not know them. But that sense of community can give you a consistency uh, to your reading. Here's what I'm going to suggest. Join if you want. We use the YouVersion Bible app a lot here. We put the outline on it. Some of you are following along with it right now. YouVersion has a Bible reading plan. As a matter of fact, if you go to YouVersion and you click on plans... Um, there is a Bible reading plan called Bible Survey Part 4. Bible Survey Part 4. And somebody this morning said you have to put a colon. Bible Survey, colon, Part 4, or just search Bible Survey under the plans and pick Part 4. It's an overview of the New Testament. It's not every chapter in the New Testament. It kind of hits the high spots. It's a 92-day reading plan. There are off days. If you get behind, you can catch up. It's minimal reading. It's about a chapter and then like two paragraphs just sort of describing what happened in the chapter. I want to invite any of you who want to join us uh, as Journey, log on to that today. We'll start today. We'll go 92 days together, and, and I'll tweet about it and put some things on social media about what we read. Um, but just as a way to have community in recalculating this spiritual area of our lives. I want to say one more thing. As, as you go through studying the Bible, learn to appreciate the value of connecting with the ancient. Learn to appreciate the value of connecting with the ancient. We live in a right now society. Okay, We live in headline society. And the headline an hour from now has to be different from the headline now or else I'm not going to come back and click on it again. It's got to change so that I'll come back and look at it again. Nobody cares what you tweeted on Thursday. What did you tweet this morning? Right? What Instagram picture did you post today, not what did you post last week? As a matter of fact, it's kind of an unwritten rule, right? You don't like pictures from three weeks ago because that means you're creeping way deep into somebody's social media feed. Right? We have these, all of these unwritten standards now about, no, you can't go back you gotta, you got to talk about what's happening right now. And that's great for entertainment. Maybe it's great for information and news. It's not great for building your life on. It, it's not great for having, having a foundation of truth. The, these words, they didn't get tweeted yesterday or this morning. Like this, this, this wasn't put on Facebook last night. People have been reading these words, putting them into their heart. People have been changed by these words, comforted by these words, helped by these words for thousands of years. Churches and denominations and movements have been built on these words for thousands of years. And I know we have this up-to-date mentality, but it's good to have some areas of our life where we're connected to the ancient. We're connected to things that have survived time. They have lasted and they have helped and changed lives. Realize the great value 
of connecting your heart and your soul with words that were written a long time ago and have been working in people's lives ever since. So that in this process of getting my life back around the Word of God, I begin to think of it like Krispy Kreme, right? I begin to think, ah, I got to have one more. I got to have one more. I got to have one more. Because these are treasures to me. Let's pray. God, thank you for the eternal, living, active word of God. Forgive us where we all neglect it, because we do. We, we all have times when we've neglected this treasure. And as we're starting 2016, help us to recalculate. Help us to make a U-turn and just get back on that road that we know is true. The road of your word. And help us to learn to love it. Help us to learn to treasure it, to value it. Help us to see its power in walking us through the difficult times of our life. Help it to be sweet to us. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.